Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 26 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? I have sugar in my mouth from trick-or-treating. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting to this the day after Halloween, so you get the sugar-filled redux of Chris and Hector. But guess what, kids? This is our one-year anniversary! Episode 26, baby. We've been here for a year. So you know what that means. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Uh, better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next song. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great one-year anniversary show for you. We're going to hit the latest news. HBO goes to the max. More DC timeline shenanigans. Valiant rolls out their 2020 lineup. And Star Wars fans, get ready for more Darth and Aphra in 2020 from the one and only Marvel Comics. All that, plus your polls from this week and ours too. Actually, this week. It's the last three weeks. We're a little behind, but that's okay. This is The Pull List Podcast. And we're one whole year old today. So, Hector, yeah. let's get into a little bit of the news. I know you've got something that you're pretty excited about. HBO's going to the max. Tell us a little bit about that. Every time you say that, it sounds like a bad 90s action movie that involves rollerblades. <laughs> um, yeah, there's three X's in max, not just one. Mm-hmm. And I see yeah, some neon nice. and some uh, uh, Lisa Frank binders in there. HBO Max is effectively the uh, chest bump version of Disney Plus for right. those of us that like the whole PlayStation, Xbox, DC, Marvel dichotomy of, you know, having your dark, not so awesome counterpart. And you can choose which right. you can choose which side is which in that discussion, by the way, because I'm an Xbox DC person. So you know, come at me. How dare you? I'm just going to have all the ats this week. All oh. the ats. Well, okay. Up until Spider Man and The Last of Us, there was nothing on PlayStation that merited choosing PlayStation over Xbox in light of Gears of War and Halo. Just saying. The guys over at Free Play are going to really get on us come, for this week, but that's okay. We're, we're Omni nerds. Allow it. It's fine. Oh, and by the way, Modern Warfare is great. Um, it is freaking great. Um, hometown made me cry for like an hour. Um, Aw. No. Anyway. HBO Max. Tell me the story. HBO Max. Um, <laughs> HBO Max is what is looking to be like the more inclusive everything that's not on Disney Plus, Disney Plus service. So you're going to get HBO, you're going to get Adult Swim, you're going to get DC, including the fact that like Doom Patrol Season 2 is going to simultaneously air on HBO Max and DC Universe. And that there is a big budget Green Lantern series and a DC Superhero High series and all this stuff that should, by all rights and purposes, be going directly to DC Universe is going to HBO Max. So that's a thing. But then the kicker for me hmm. is that they're getting Doctor Who. So you're getting uh, you're getting the is. you're getting the full Warner Brother catalog. Yep. You're you're getting yeah, Harry Potter and all that too from what Harry I Harry Potter. So, yes, like, all the Potter everything. stuff. And there's discussions of a new Harry Potter series. All of HBO's content, which, by the way, HBO's content, you know, is fascinating and wonderful all on its own. You're getting Rick and Morty, new Rick and Morty. Yeah, that just was announced. So if you didn't know that, because obviously part of the Adult Swim package, they said the entire backlog of Rick and Morty is going to show up there, which is currently sitting on Hulu, I think. So good yeah. for HBO. And well, there's maybe we'll get season four eventually. Just there's a lot of Hulu that's going to be losing out with this because Hulu is hitched its wagon to DC or has hitched its wagon to Disney plus. And so in light of this, they're going to be taking some hits. But the big thing for me is that it is going to be the home now of the exclusive home of Dr. Who. So that means it's going to be leaving Amazon prime in the near future. Heads up, folks. And that it will be the exclusive home for season 12 of Doctor Who, out, at, you know, outside of being on the BBC. But this means they are 
literally circling the wagons to fight back against everything that Disney Plus is. And so what's going to happen is DC Plus or DC or sorry, golly, there's so many. You can do it. Stuff. I have faith okay. in you. So Disney Plus. There you go. And HBO Max and Hulu and Netflix and Amazon are going to just basically join together and form this thing we call cable. <laughs> they're gonna form voltron at they're this gonna point. form they're gonna form voltron we're gonna be back because we're gonna end, there's gonna be so many streaming services that we're gonna be back at square one where we're basically paying for cable but just pretending we're not but i am really excited about the content of hbo max um so uh you can check out the link to that in the show notes and stuff like that but it's looking pretty promising and like if if we had to like straight up draw a line in the sand of what of those two services I would go with, based on what I've seen, I'd be hitting over to uh, HBO Max if I had to choose between the two. Which I'm a grown yeah. up and I'm a buy both, but yeah. if, I, if I had to choose, um, when you throw DC and Doctor Who against Star Wars in disney i'm gonna go with dc and doctor who well i just wanted to say on that real quick is i i know we talked about it a few episodes ago and you know dc universe is pushing into their second year and everything and there were rumors hbo max was coming and it might get rolled up into it that right now they sound like they're they're gonna function separately with some overlap i'd love to see all the overlap but i understand why they might go both ways that i i kind of hope they might take a page at this point, because I was a little weary of what HBO was going to put in that package. And now that I've heard it, I was like, oh, yes, please. I know this is going to sound wrong and sacrilegious that I don't need DC Universe if this is going to be what HBO Max is going to be. So just give give me the DC content in that universe and I will give you all my doll hairs, all of them, every well, single one. Well, because one, of the, one of, them. of the biggest pros of DC Universe is the comics. But if I'm super honest, I've basically... uh got everything i need out of that <laughs> you've been reading a lot in a very short period of time i, I, I read a lot now and that's the thing like wh- if you're adding old stuff sure but i'm that guy that i've been reading ev- almost everything dc's put out for like a decade so unless you're delving back and then before that i was reading everything in like the 90s so you've got to dig pretty deep for me to actually hit something i haven't seen and if you hit something I haven't seen, I probably don't care. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So, yeah. No, I, I agree. The the rebirth of cable, such that it were, in, but it actually being a la carte that I kind of get to decide, right, is kind of wonderful. And I'm excited that all these wonderful streaming services are going to come at me this fall and just don't at me anytime in November because I'm going to be busy watching things. That's that's all I got to say. Um, so, yeah. So the rest of comics news, things have been I mean, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We're counting the days to Christmas. Good times. Halloween's over. We're going to forget that being thankful is a thing in November. And I've already seen Christmas decorations everywhere. I walked in the Target and I just have to say this. I saw Christmas decorations directly next to their Halloween, like immediately upon walking in the store. And my body convulsed a little and didn't know what to do with itself. Black and orange and red and green side by side is just weird, but yay, America. So what's going on in comics? Well, you heard us talk about, I believe it was the last episode that everyone caught that like really brief glimpse and got out their magnifying glasses for this gigantic timeline that DC Comics like threw up slides to and like everybody took their phone out, was like, oh, and tried to take pictures of it. And then we all did Sir Shaky Cam. Um squinty of eyes trying to read this thing that nobody could actually read that they've come out and shown close-ups now of it and there's some videos of it and we have a story that i believe has some more of the closer things but nobody's still talking about what this quote-unquote dc official timeline actually means so didio and um jim lee are like yeah we're we're establishing the official timeline because you know marvel did that a while back we feel that's probably kind of important and everything so they did and now we've got it and we can kind of read it but they are still being very quiet about what it all actually means so this is us saying well there's cool pictures of a really big chart that talks about up to five generations of 
DC Comics, but your guess is still just about as good as Hector and mine. So there's a link. You can see closer pictures of it. We wanted to give that to you because it's a thing. Whatever G5 is, is supposedly DC's future, but they just haven't given us the full story yet. So if you want to join in on... Yeah, it's or a Gatorade. It's a Stream 5, right? It's going to be a clear Gatorade that tastes like magic unicorns? Batman Sweat. Sounds... Yeah, ooh, G5. <laughs> it's It's got electrolytes. Um, Batman's electrolytes. A couple of you will get that joke. That makes me sad. Um, so you can join in on that conversation. We'll definitely be having it as people learn more and everything at the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. You can find them and us on the Book of Faces just by searching Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Isn't that amazing? Um, just Love Thy Nerd community. And we can talk about... What on earth DC is going to do next? On, on a quick note on the Love Thy Nerd community, did you see the stylish yeah. hoodies that went up on Instagrams? Oh, yeah. So if you guys love us and all the wonderful things that we do side by side with Love Thy Nerd, um, Jonah, plug here for a second. Hoodies, it's hoodie season, y'all. And Love Thy Nerd, we we finally got us some, some hoods, and it's going to be great because hoodies are life and i'm i'm much excited about those so and for my fellow on. husky friends uh, <laughs> they go up to 3x which i was super happy you, about so you, what, what? yeah well we we know and love every shape and size of our community and but so, we don't well, love because it uh, stops at three so fine <laughs> chris drew get, get on that yeah side note um so what else we got in the news well Good news for Valiant fans. As some of you know, I do love me some Valiant comics. And 2020 is being branded as their year of the superhero. So they're kind of taking 2020 to bring back a lot of their mainline folks in their universe. And has always been one of the things that a lot of Valiant fans and whatnot have really enjoyed. That we're going to see Doctor Tomorrow, Harbinger, Ninjack, Shadow Man... Uh, Punk Mambo, which is kind of one of their new folks, Savage and XO all returning in 2020. So if you're into trying to find something that's a little different from your main lines and whatnot, um, you've got options in jumping into Valiant. And Valiant's usually really great at finding a place to just get you started. And you don't need to know a whole lot. They're going to set you on the path, give you everything you need to know. And set you off on their new journey. Isn't so, Bloodshot you, Valiant? Yep, Bloodshot is Valiant. And, of course, they've got a Bloodshot movie coming out with Sony here real soon with Vin Diesel. So, you know, they're taking their step into Hollywood as well. So I always tell folks, keep an eye on Valiant because you never know what's going to come out next. And they are usually really dedicated to the quality of their universe and their superheroes. And it looks like that's going to be the focus in 2020. So... Wander into a shop and look for some Valiant. You can always find back trades, and there's tons of great stories there. And then finally, you Star Wars fans, if you think I'm about to talk about Rise of Skywalker, you're wrong. Um, we're actually going to talk about Marvel Comics continuing all of their Star Wars line. That At MCM over in Great Britain over the weekend, they announced that they're going to start a new independent Doc Aphra line. Um, which Doc Aphra kind of came out of the Darth Vader series from a couple years ago and had her own running story for a while, but there's a new one starting. And there's also a new Darth Vader series that will be starting in – both of these books will be starting in April of 2020. So early spring of 2020, we'll be seeing some new Star Wars stories added to the line. And for all of you Star Wars nerds, just remember – Everything that is coming out of Marvel slash Disney, etc., is all canon, so keep up, kids. But that's all that I've got for the news for right now. We should probably wander over and see what kind of wonderful books we have had in our polls, because we missed a week, and that's Chris's bad, but we're here to celebrate one I probably entire needed to miss by, one too. It's okay. Yeah, giving you giving you a mess load of comics that we read over the last three weeks. Because did you say a meth load? I said a mess load, oh. not a meth load. No, 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 no. Hector, <laughs> uh, what really blew your mind, or well, didn't? Because every now and then we pick up a book and go, "Well, that was a thing." 
So you, you what got that, you excited? You pick up a lot of books and say, well, that was a thing. That's kind of like a statement yeah. for you. I, I do. Yeah. If I say that was a thing, it meant, meant that something happened <laughs> and I spent money on it. So <laughs> that's a, that's so a tell, sad state to live in. Something yeah. happened and I spent money on it. Um, yep. The joy of comics, kids. All right. So, Hector, let's jump to it. All right. What you got? Uh, man. So, first off, uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight, number four. Um, how, you know, we're still steamrolling down this whole train with Azrael and Batman. And um, still, I guess we should stay away from a little of the spoilers of that for the folks that... Because this was a spoiler-heavy thing. Um, yeah, the entire arc has kind of been sitting there, especially with the most significant thing. Yeah. So... Man, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, I still think my whole thing about like him becoming such a gangster overnight is a bit of a stretch. But beyond that, um, what what's really stood out to that book about you? Well, I think the thing that I've been enjoying about this entire journey in general is we're seeing a little bit more of the emotions of the Bat family. Now, there's reasons for it, and that's the thing that we're talking around. Um but I'm enjoying watching different members of the Bat family in this context respond to a very major loss to all of them. And it's interesting to see the interplay of who's responding and how. Um, because I feel like some of those characters kind of inverted in terms of what we historically expect them or what we would have thought they'd do. And so that's been a fun journey. But I'm also finally really enjoying White Knight is getting us to this wonderful place where we're still trying to figure out what the secret is that Joker had his hands on. We know it has something to do with the original feud in Gotham, but we still don't know what the punchline to this quote-unquote joke is. And we're now kind of seeing that journey kind of starting to get a little Sherlock Holmes with uh, we're getting the little breadcrumbs along the way interspliced with Azrael, just like you said, being a badass overnight, apparently, and a badass with a small team that I seem to have somehow read over in issue number three. Because when we hit number four, I was like, oh, Azrael's got like brothers and sisters in the fight that I guess I missed. Yeah, there there are people involved. <laughs> right. It's like I well, knew there was like there's the Order of Saint Dumas and military caps. Um, right. That are like, hey, we're Saint Dumas. And it's like, are you what? <laughs> but it's not taking from the story. I was just kind of taken aback that I was like, oh, he's got like his little squad here. So That's, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just enjoying the emotional roller coaster that we're currently on, and the interplay of all the folks that are involved. Because I, I think we're careening towards a big payoff, but I'm still kind of curious where that's going. And one, one uh, I still think one of my favorite features that out of the Sean Murphy White Knight books has been that there are constant bones thrown to Batman the Animated Series. That they're, mm. from the original series to now, almost every issue has a throwback that only relates to the animated series. And it's so nice. Um because the generation like us that grew up with that, you know, it's it's a nice thing to be able to see that stuff that we love. So Curse of the White Knight is not disappointing. Um, I'm not mad at it. Um, I do feel like it's being rushed. And I don't yeah. love that. Um, like, I feel like we could, you know, based because, you know, they tell you they tell you the count up front and uh, what that actually looks like. And I just wish it wasn't going at the speed it's going. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I have a feeling that the last issue will probably be the pacing will make sense. But I kind of agree that the sacrifice that's been made on this journey is we're just not really going to know as much about Azrael as I think I kind of wanted out of what clearly is technically supposed to be an Azrael story. So beyond that, uh, Batman 81, uh, as we're moving down the City of Bane stuff uh you get to see a full bat family minus dick and jason um take on thomas wayne batman and that's a fun piece of life um yeah you, you literally get damien tim cat or batwoman orphan 
uh, the Signal, Huntress, and Batgirl. Um, I feel like spoiler ought to be in here, but you know, whatever. Yeah, um, no, I think for the rest of the conversation of Batman eighty one that we just have to assume you're you're either up to date or you need to pause the podcast because there there's a few things here that we we will talk about we were avoiding one thing in curse of the white knight because it's kind of a super significant event this is significant to the overarching but i think is important to the conversation so spoilers let us continue um but yeah you've got them taking on uh you know thomas wayne and it's one of those situations where they look like he's beaten and all this stuff but then not but then the 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 twist that we get to is that Batman had Clayface imitating Joker, which, um, the you know, whole time, the whole time, because let's to be fair, um, Clayface has been missing since, uh, from canon wise, Clayface has been missing since he got shot by Batwoman back in detective. Um, mm-hmm. and anytime you air quotes, kill off a character that's prominent, they're probably showing back up later, which is just really funny. This is a nice little touch to hush because Joker air quotes killed hush in hush. <laughs> um, he killed Thomas Elliot and hush. And it turned out that, that was Jason or that was actually, uh, not Thomas Elliot. It was Clayface. And then you've got Clayface actually impersonating Joker. So I was like, haha, I thought it was coming. But here's my thing. It, I don't think that it was uh, Alfred. I think it was Clayface. It's possible. And I mean, I think the thing that really caught me off guard or maybe not at this point in Batman 81 is as we're careening towards 85 and the end of Tom King's run, I felt like we expedited the timeline like a thousand percent as this book unfolded because i was like wow you just kind of arbitrarily undid 80 issues worth of story by informing us that oh no 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 bane didn't actually break batman batman figured it out way back in the beginning and put clayface into play 60 issues ago (laughs) and I was kind of ready for Batman to actually have been played a bit and to still figure it out in the end. Well, now here's the thing though. He didn't get, uh, it wasn't 60 issues ago. It was, uh, it was right when I guess it was, gosh, that's the, yeah. (laughs) What got me though, what the thing that threw me was that, uh, they had a body language signal. I don't think this was in 81. I think this was, maybe it was that, um, it was actually a, ploy where batman slapping damien on the rooftop right, right. was was that this yep. issue okay where batman yes. slapping no, damien that was the other thing was he talked about that the bat family had learned how to communicate through physical contact which includes fighting slapping etc continue so batman there's a scene where batman looks like he's losing his ish about 20 issues ago and he right. slaps uh damien that wasn't parental abuse or even batman being a douche that was a like silent discussion to say hey junk's about to get real execute plan whatever and we see these things kind of playing out and then because we have to tie everything into year of the villain you've got harvey bullock buck naked um (laughs) right and the streets of gotham uh with the bullseye painted on him. With a bullseye painted on him, a Joker smile, and then the Doom logo in the sky. And I'm like, I didn't need a naked Bullock. Um, I, I didn't I didn't need that. And to be completely honest, it, it, Chris is about to get real and say something that is probably unheard of. I, I don't want any of this to be about Year of the Villain. And it's clearly all going to be about Year of the Villain. And I'm sad inside now. Yeah, I mean, you're the villain. Like we, the whole time we've been like, we see that this is happening, but can this not be what the focus is? And then it ends up being the focus. Anyway, yeah, because I'm sitting here going, Doomsday Clock isn't over yet, and I thought Doomsday Clock was going to be the thing that it's about. Sorry, kids, we were supposed to be paying attention to the Lantern Corps and all the stuff going on in You're the Villain. Ugh. yeah, I feel you, fam. Um. 
So the other book really just wanted to hit real hard. Um, uh, and as we st- said a little while ago, uh, Harleen, dude. Harleen is a freaking masterpiece. Can um, we just say right now that Black Label knows what's up right now? That there's a couple other titles like, um, what was it? The Last God or whatever came out this week. And I read that and just a quick thing of, okay, if you're into the fantasy uh, gladiator dude ripping stuff apart and crazy fantasy stories, it was okay. Um, that's a Black Label book. And we'll talk about Joker... Uh, Killer Smile, which also came out this week a little later, but yeah, Harleen's just freaking great. I mean, I I can say easily that Harleen is pretty much a masterpiece of a book and one of the best DC books I've read in my adult life. And that's going off of two issues. Um, And it's, it's beautiful. It's well-written. I care. And like, one of the things is like, uh, Going down the psychological trail, because here's the deal, you know where the Joker Harley story is going to go, but this is the best iteration of seeing the backstory fully, but not only that Joker was playing Harley, but that he actually did his homework. Like, uh, you see in this one that he actually bribed a guard or whatever to get her research paper so he had fuel to hook her in like he's super catfishing her um yep and like with intention so they didn't fall in love he saw her as an easy mark right um yep and realistically um that might have been the only reason she lived in the first place is because someone in a lab coat i could probably use her later uh, right. And we've been given an excuse because she straight up comes out and asks him why she was spared in the first book. And he makes up something that sounds really good. But I kind of agree that I'm like, nope. He knew at that point what had to be said. And that that was the earworm that, was the earworm that hooked her. And so I, I'm digging it. It's It's been a fun little ride so far. And this- stuff's about... The transition in issue three, clearly. Well, that, you know, this is Heath Ledger, Joker, master manipulation, but suave, charming, and handsome instead of scarred and demented. Um, This is some, like, Batman-level planning against a woman who is searching and stuff. And so you get that, and that's a really neat thing. Um, But, yeah, Joker is jerking her chain hard but beyond that my favorite part of this was the depiction of two-face um man i i've been reading batman like i think one of my first comic books ever was a two-face book in the early 80s um and sorry i'm old uh but (laughs) (laughs) like there's this book in the early early 80s that had Two-Face on the cover and I just remember it creeped me out. It was so demented. Um, but what they do with this, like, one thing is they you see through Harvey's eyes as they're removing the bandages and you even see the scarring on the inside of the eyeball and I'm like, oh, I've not seen that represented before. That's great. But then, like, literal, the to see the split personality actually attacking him and what he's doing. Um... This is like, I feel like a long time ago, the long Halloween became, um, or maybe it was Dark Victory. Um, I think Dark Victory was the actual Two-Face becoming Two-Face with Robin. Long Victory, Dark Halloween. Wait. Long Halloween, Dark Victory. Either way. You can do it. It's the words today, man. Um, Those books were definitive Harvey books. And dude, right now... I feel like this could be a new definitive Harvey book. And he's barely a side character. Um, Yeah. But it's that good. Um, It really is. I came away with the same thing after you said that. I shared a couple pictures from from this on social because of that. I was like, whoa, that's really good. I dig it. I want that book. If it's not going to be the main side character the rest of this series, I want that book. DC on it. Do it. Do it now. Um so I highly recommend Harleen. There's only two issues so far. Another one I want to throw out is uh, Year of the Villain, which we've said several times the DC Year of the Villains have turned out to be some pretty amazing books. 
Um, yeah, some of the individual ones have been great. Uh, Black Adam number one, which was, I think, three weeks ago, um, is one of the best Black Adam books since 52, which is a big nice. deal to me because I love 52. Um, but beyond that, um, it's one of the best character stories. Um, you have Joker infected Shazam attacking Sharuda, um, which is Black Adam's country, village, all the places, um, in Kondok. And, uh, you have Black Adam being a actual community and military leader over his people while trying to fight against a OP, uh, villain at that point. Cause Black Adam straight up is the hero of that story. Um, and it's the first time I can really document in my mind where you see Black Adam using the relationship between the gods and stuff that give him his powers. Um, oh, wow. Okay, that's kind of cool. I didn't get to that book, so okay, writing that down. Yeah, you should. You definitely should. Um, because, like, you know, one of the deals, there's Sun God Ra and stuff like that that they're talking about. Obviously, when we're talking about prayer, you know, I'm talking about, like, god bible god um but like literally there comes a point where they can't defeat shazam but they literally stop him with prayer and oh uh, interesting and uh (laughs) black adam literally has to tell everybody hey y'all stop praying for a minute So that hey y'all, calm, calm, calm down, yo. Go take take it down a notch, um, because he needs to be able to let him go for a second, and um, yeah, that's where we're at. Is he stops him through prayer, and but one of the cooler things beyond that is that after in the aftermath, one of his leaders is in the hospital. He's like, "Why did you let this happen to us?" He's like, "Because I'm a leader. I'm not a god." Um, and he goes on to give like this straight up Ted talk on what leadership looks like. Um, I'm black Adam and this has been my Ted talk. Yes. Legitimately. When you finish black Adam year one or you're the villain, um, it is a black Adam Ted talk on leadership and it's totally something (laughs) you should pull together. Um, let, let me jump off of, uh, my, uh, DC train real quick. Um, Marauders number one from X-Men, you know, the X-Men universe. Um, It's a solid Kitty Pride book. If you are a fan of Joss Whedon's X-Men, because Kitty Pride was the focus of that book, she was the main one. And for me, uh, this was the best Kitty Pride stuff we've gotten since Joss Whedon's X-Men. I will keep reading for that purpose. On the flip side, this isn't in the show notes, but just throwing it out there. I did not like Excalibur. I won't be buying that anymore. <laughs> um, I think so, we both talked about, because people keep asking us on the interwebs, how many of these books are you going to read? Well, we're going to read some of them to find out what we want to read or not, but I'm of the opinion of, cause someone else asked me, well, what should come after X-Men number one? And I'm like, number two, it should always be number two. I don't want 47,000 other related books, which is what's kind of happening. But thankfully so far, unlike some of Marvel's past attempts, these books are the first ones are obviously connected to X-Men number one because it sets up our new universe. But after that, they clearly, like, Marauders very clearly was like, this is the new thing. Kitty Pride's like, nope, I'm going to do my thing in this world, so I'm going to be over here doing it. And I'm okay with that. I'm just not going to read every single book. I read Marauders. I thought it was fun, but it's not my jam. Um, But, yeah, Excalibur can just crawl back into the hole it came from because Excalibur. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, but fun fact, you get a new Captain Britain. By the end of Excalibur's, um, or of Excalibur. So anyway, um, I also picked up Joe Hill's, um, Basketful of Heads, um, or Basketful, yeah, Basketful of Heads, which by the way, uh, Joe Hill and Stephen King have a movie on Netflix called In the Tall Leaves, um, or Tall Grass, um, if you you want a nice little psychological Joe Hill, Stephen King combo pack, which it's a twisted piece of stuff but anyway basketball of heads promised to be you know joe hill's um 
new storyline for DC. And I picked it up, and I gotta say, it has solid, um, the solid basis of a horror book, I guess. But it was a terrible start of a first issue. Um, because you get to know horror at all. Like, oh, interesting. Like you get to nothing. It is just character development. And there's some inmates when you're, there's some inmates that have escaped a prison. And that's the setup. You see some subtext of what's eventually going to go down and you get a glimpse of the future real briefly so that you can actually say, yes, there was a basket full of heads, but you know, it's like a future glimpse down the road. Uh, at the beginning, but the whole thing is like the beginning of a Stephen King ish movie. And I, for the record, there are some really fun Stephen King bones in here. So if you're a Stephen King fan, uh, you're, you're going to have some fun with this. For instance, um, you see some stuff with dairy in it, which is, you know, where, nice. uh, yep. it takes place. Uh, the prison that the prisoner has escaped from is Shawshank. Um, nice. Good. So you get that stuff. Um, but so far, all you get primarily in this story is a summer romance on the verge of an end and a young man who has aspirations of becoming a cop. And that's literally the whole book. So if you buy this thinking, I'm okay, a I'm gonna get into the masters of horror right here, baby. No, you're not. Um, yeah, not yet. At least. <laughs> it might get to that point five issues down the way. But uh, it was a super slow start to the horror aspect. Um, and last thing I just want to hit with is Immortal Hulk 25. Um, at the end of that uh, Immortal Hulk 24 and the Venom special and all that stuff, or the Carnage special, one of the things that happened was at the end of 24 is that the story stops being linear. Oops. And it jumps to the end of time. Ew. So the Hulk, the literally issue 24 or whatever it was, ends with um, Hulk sitting on a throne. And then you flip the page and fast forward, it's the end of time. And Hulk has become a way more powerful version of Galactus. Um, where, yeah, where he has outlasted all of time, where everything that was Bruce Banner has died, and he is this galactic force just going through destroying all life and all creation through all of existence in every universe. And issue 25, Immortal Hulk, literally was the most confusing thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Um, because you've got microbial characters trying to send out distress calls and plant seeds and all these things to try to survive the end of creation that is Hulk. And I, it was like watching Osmosis Jones on acid. Um, (laughs) wow. That's a reference. While, you know, someone in the hallway down the, down the hall, is watching like the Edward Norton version of Hulk. It's like literally what's happening. You drank a bottle of cough syrup and watched Osmosis Jones while Hulk is playing down the hallway. And that was what this book was. Um, And I literally was like, well, I can't do this anymore. So (laughs) I'm out. If, if If this goes any further down the kiss, it, like the cover of it has of the next issue has something totally different. But if if this story is remotely because I'm going to go to a store and I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna flip through the pages before I decide if I'm doing any more of this story. But if we go any further down this bizarre gal- galactic level Hulk story, I'm out. Just out. So um, you heard me. Hector has Hector has opinions. My line is drawn in the sand. Um of why of where this stops being fun. So please go ahead, Chris. Tell me about what you're interested in. 
So, you know, we talked about all the really big ones at right at the top of your poll. So I've got kind of uh, the smattering of other random things that came out during the week. And I actually have only one DC book on. Well, nope, two. Sorry. I lied. Um, so let's start with Marvel Zombies Resurrection because it's october and all the spoopy things are in the comic book store and marvel zombies has returned uh with the new story and it's marvel zombies so it's if you're in if you enjoyed any of the previous marvel zombies which i think there were like four and there was a one shot last year so there's lots of marvel zombies um but resurrection kicks off with basically Reed and the Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation have found something and pull the X-Men in and go and the Avengers and go, uh, some things have happened. And we think we see Galactus on the edge of our universe. So right off the bat, you're like, cool. So Fantastic Four, X-Men, the Avengers and Galactus sitting out in space. I my body is ready. Well, they get out there and they find out, spoiler, Galactus is dead, which is kind of crazy. And then they literally travel inside Galactus because reasons, because they thought they saw like life forms inside there. And they got, I'm sorry, kind of important. They got called to this position by Captain Marvel that she was cruising through space and saw Galactus. And well, they, they find Captain Marvel and well, she's not quite with us anymore. And boom, Marvel Zombies, Resurrection. Congratulations. Galactus is carrying some type of zombie juice and is creating zombies. And it's careening towards Earth. And that's your setup. So if you like you some Marvel Zombies and crazy stories with all the characters I just listed, Marvel's got you covered. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep reading because... I was like, well, that's a cool setup, but I don't know if I'm invested for the rest of that series. But hey, um, if you're into it, I stopped it when certain, Marvel Zombies did versus Army of Darkness. Um, <laughs> I read that and I'm like, OK, I don't need anything else from this. I'm good. I'm going to move on. That's great. Um, But on the other end of the same spectrum, DC uh, deceased number six came out which is the end of their mini of their kind of zombie tale and i don't know about you i ended up really liking that um so as a six issue set if you're looking for you know kind of dc's take on the zombification of their universe and what kind of happens i i won't spoil a whole lot um but that was a fun end and i thought that was really a good story because the the thing i will say is the thing in the DC universe with zombification is what happens when soups goes down? You know, how do you ultimately defeat Superman as like a zombie on a mission? And that's kind of ultimately the entire story that DC um, deceased is telling. And it was a lot of fun. And it's also telling the story of how much of a self-righteous individual all for queen really can be at the end of the day. But it, a super fun it's very I could be a it's very th- but that was my favorite quote i could be a that was my favorite part of the entire thing he's like i could be that guy and it's like shut up ollie no you can't i could totally be a planetary threat um right and then well, he's like you saw that shot right you saw that and i was like oh ollie uh so super fun um uh, the, there was a lot it. of heart with it too like um yes some of the stuff was wonder woman and uh uh, some like one of the things like with just John Kent and yep. Damien like hugging. You're gonna be a good Batman. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, shut up, guys. Um, but it was dope. I I enjoyed a lot of it, and I still stand that that one tie-in with the mystical people was super worth it. Um, yep. But yeah, no, it it's so. There's lots of zombie stuff on the shelves or coming to a culmination. So, you know, run down to your comic shop and read some of it. It's pretty good. Um, but when you pay for it, not yeah. but not after. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. Don't don't read it in the store. It's a good way to have things thrown at you. Um, but 
Firefly number 10 also came out. So Boom Studios continuing to crank out the Firefly story. And we've said, uh, Hector and I have said, you know, Greg did a great job of picking up the feel of this group of folks. But I'm going to say something. I, I have to. And I'm not sure if you share this, uh, Hector, but you can tell me. I think I'm over the whole brown coats will rise again theme that we seem to be camping out on right now because I, I feel like it's really distracting as a, as a long-term long time brown coat fan and firefly fan. The, when they finally got to the bank heist thing, that's starting to unfold in issue 10. I was like, yay, firefly. But I feel like we're being really distracted by a story that I get the unfortunate feeling is going to be the focus of this. And I don't know what to do with those emotions. When when did issue ten drop? Um, might have been two weeks ago or three okay, weeks so ago. I don't think week. it was okay. this week. All right, I don't think so. All right, um, um, I've, I'm over it. And plus, like one of the things too, like the for y'all that have been long term Firefly comic book readers, the last arc right before they rebooted the Firefly comic universe was also on brown coats and unification war and a lot of the same stuff and of Zoe being a terrorist and right. the, like that Greg Pack isn't the first person to do this. That arc has already been covered and we're doing it again. Like it's something fresh and I'm enjoying the whole character of boss moon and uh, yep. like the unifactors. Sure. And can I say, like, the character that shows up at the end? I mean, this is all, like, not exactly spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Malcolm's mom shows up at the end of yeah, book 10. Yeah, I took a picture of that. Um, I was like, okay. And that's the thing. Mal talked about his mom all throughout the show, especially on the yep. episode Our Mrs. Reynolds, which is my favorite Firefly episode. Um, but that Mal's mom is in the picture. Here's the deal. I want to read that. I'm like, I'm like, okay, issue 11, Mal's mom, let's see what's up. I'm down for that cause. But like the last, so, okay, you remember the point when they were about to be sacrificed by. Yeah. Like that was like the end of the first arc. Yeah, that was the of last pack, good issue. First arc. Like yep. the I issue where they were about to be sacrificed by the crazy religious people uh, was the last good issue. And yeah. now it looks like we might this whole six to 12 issue in the middle, man, I'm not loving it. Um, I'm gonna keep reading it because occasionally I get a nice little quip from Shepard book, but beyond that, yep. it's not, it's not gold. Yep. So this is two brown coats telling you we we're enjoying, we're going to keep reading cause we want to know, but a lot of other folks have told me the same thing. They're like, where are we going? Why? <laughs> so why are we here? It's a thing. Why are we here? Are we lost? But fine so um this is the moment where chris and hector also tell all of our wonderful listeners that x-men number one came out during this time and of course we've been talking very highly of the predecessor books of powers of 10 and house of x leading up to today and i read all of x-men issue one and went yep i'm in the i i don't i don't need to belabor the point that it, it's we got the setup of what this universe is and X-Men number one has started to solidify kind of the camps of how things are going to be going forward. And we're now going to see how this world handles the X-Men having the control that they do. And that's an issue I've seen some of the writers and some other folks talk about of because it's all of them. So many high-powered mutants all in the same storyline. It's going to be interesting to see how we balance tension and actual, you know, how do you challenge a group of people that have undertaken what they literally have undertaken in the last 12 issues that set up getting us here? So I'm in that we have a Magneto that basically thinks he is a demigod of some type, and in some ways he's right. Um, but... I, I also found, you know, Professor X's limited engagement in number one interesting. So, look, if you're into X-Men, we've been talking a lot about it uh, leading up to now. And, yeah, two DC guys are telling you right now, you should be reading this. Hickman has set himself up a wonderful story. And if that's not enough for you, this is Chris telling you that the Abrams Spider-Man run 
is also pretty freaking great. Uh, I finally got to issue number two, which is probably three weeks old. That I was behind. I missed it when it hit the shelf because I wasn't pulling it. And I guess I got to add it to my pull now because now two uh, issues into this, into what the new world looks like for Peter Parker's kid becoming the new guy. It has all the heart that I want from a Spider-Man book of a kid in high school, basically realizing what he is and not wanting to be it. Um because of knowing what his father went through and that his father, he does not look great upon his father and what his upbringing was like to that point and his kind of absent dad as it is. And now I have to deal with the fact that I like stick to the wall and crazy stuff. And wh what do I do? Do I have a responsibility to be Spider-Man and help people or, you know, screw all this kind of thing. And I'm going to spoil a little bit because I think this is probably the most interesting part of why Spider-Man, I think, is going to be a really neat book. And that is we get a glimpse of a billboard that gives us an idea of what Marvel reality we're in. And it references the fact that pretty much all of the Avengers died in a major tragic event and that Stark is the only one that survived. Which means we are in a Marvel reality of New York where there's basically no Avengers. That there's no that it they haven't made any reference to whether Daredevil or any other New York City characters are available. But basically the big guns of the Marvel Universe are completely absent. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting because it's not just that, you know, young teenage Spider-Man is present trying to figure out his powers and what to do in a world where the Avengers exist. It's that they don't. They're gone. So the weight of the presence of a superhero seems to be something that they're going to explore. And I think that's what has always made Spider-Man such a great story and a place to tell stories. So. I'm like super excited about this new iteration of Spider-Man. So if you haven't been reading it, you should do so. And I'm sorry I kind of bummed you out on that one spoiler, but I feel that if you needed a reason to care why a new Parker has abilities, I, I think him dealing with the fact of there there's nobody but him is potentially fascinating. And they're rising up villains around him right now. So, you know, that... That decision point is coming. So I'm excited for it. I don't know if you've read it, um, but you should go back and read it if you haven't, because it's pretty cool. And so I think as we culminate our polls, I just need to say real quick, and we spent a lot of time on polls this week, but that's what our show has really been about over the last year. So we wanted to give you all the good stuff. And that's DC Black Label's final um, Joker book for at least the time being is Jeff Lemire. Um, has been released a book called Joker Killer Smile, and it's the same creative team that's been doing Gideon Falls, which is Jeff's uh, horror book. And I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But Jeff writes a really interesting... Um, I think it's more of a thriller-type um, genre approach. And the art is really kind of hyper-realistic. So this Joker is the psychopath, sociopath Joker. And we're kind of seeing that unfold, that he's talking about the, well, which version of my creation do you want to hear? So kind of as you've heard us talk about with Joker the movie and other things, that one of the character traits of the character that is the Joker is... We don't know much about where he came from, and he's very good at telling new stories about who he is. So supposedly this killer smile setup is kind of a discussion on, well, who really is the Joker? And it's going to be dark <laughs> is pretty much what I took away from the first one. So I think it's kind of similar to some of the other books we've mentioned this week that it started a story, but I'm not sure it got anywhere yet. So I'm going to keep my eye on it. It's not as mind-blowing as the other stuff that's out there. Definitely read Harleen. Um, but it's another Joker book. So, man. Actor, for that me, was... For me personally? Uh, uh, yeah. 
it's an easy no go. Um, j- uh, the sm- Joker smile book like is yeah. a, not even a struggle. I'm just totally not reading this. <laughs> like <laughs> after one issue, I'm out. Well, I'm like, I don't need this. Um, simply because we have <laughs> like five thousand other Harley Black, Harley and Joker Black Label books that are good. And you're not going to get my six bucks <laughs> just for this. So right, this this is why I'll need DC Universe in a year. Um, so I'll read it there. <laughs> there you go. Well, man, that was a ton of books. But one of the best parts of what we've been doing over the last year is we always ask the community at Love Thy Nerd, you know, what books are you guys reading that we're not reading, and. Some of our new folks continue to surprise us with things that, well, we didn't realize were things. And Todd Turner has informed us that he has finished reading the Star Pig series from IDW. And you you heard me say that right. Star, S-T-A-R, space, pig, P-I-G. And we've got the link uh, for you in in the show notes. Uh, but it's an IDW book, and it's literally about a girl that was at space camp and won a contest, got sent to space, met a water bear, a tardigrade, um, what, what does in that space. Mean? Um, a water bear, a uh, tardigrade. If you look them up, uh, they're the like little microorganisms that have like the big mouth on them and like look like big like centipedes, but they're basically just floating water bears. It, look it up. It's it's a thing. Half of you totally okay. got what I was referencing um, when I went there because lots of uh, D&D real play podcasts love throwing tardigrades at people. Um, and they go through space having an adventure. And just reading the description of this book, I'm like, how on earth did I miss this? But the art looks pretty interesting. And so I think that should be coming out. It was only a four-parter in trade soon so i think i'm gonna have to pick that up to find out um what we clearly missed so thanks todd for continuing to expand us i think the last two recommendations we've had now is battle pug and star pig so you are welcome you are getting high quality comic book entertainment here at the polis podcast and that's why we have spent the last year being in your ears telling you all the wonderful things that hector and i and all of you come across in all of your journeys of comics. So Hector, I think it's about that time that we wrap up our first year here at love thy nerd podcasting network. And here on the pull list podcast that we've been here literally 12 months uh, middle of October was when we dropped our very first episode. And so episode 26 marks that one year. Cause we come out as close as we can every two weeks. And as you can tell with this coming out at the beginning of November, we, we almost did it. I think we only really missed one or two episodes and that's because there were Hector and, I, and natural disasters and yeah, stuff st- life happened out there, but we've really enjoyed ourselves. So we're looking forward to another year with you guys, hopefully bringing more interviews, even more comic stuff and even more ways for you guys to interact with us. So we're just thankful for you guys. Right. So absolutely. Thank you for being after here. party in room five twenty three. <laughs> wow wait where which, oh, see if you figure that out we'll be there so as many of you know we don't take this journey of podcast and fandom alone we take it with two other amazing podcasts that are part of the love thy nerd podcast network first we have humans of gaming with drew and chris they do interviews with game designers producers and creators and really get down to the heart of why they do what they do and what they create and why they create and then we have the free play podcast with bubba matt and kate And they cover just about everything possibly even remotely generally nerdy on a week-to-week basis. It's a lot of fun. And we're just growing here at Love Thy Nerd that there's also other content available on Facebook where we've got Beard Bros that I know Matt and Bubba are going to have more live shows coming up where they play some games and let us know what they're checking out. And Matt and his wife Erin do co-optional where they play game together as well and those are just super fun videos that you should check those out and maybe find a new tabletop that you want to check out but the goal ultimately for all of us is just to love all the wonderful things that we love whether that's comics 
tabletop games, video games, and we talk about all those things over at lovethynerd.com and in the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. So if you ever just want to join in with us, like we said earlier in the show, go ahead and search on Facebook for Love Thy Nerd Community, and you will find Hector and I there. Also, again, want to throw out too that um, you can check out Back Row Radio every week. Uh, We do a three-minute audio devotional, uh, usually about nerdy things, over at Back Row Radio. Uh, And that's a cool thing. It's called the Love Thy Nerd Critical Hit. Yeah, Matt really does some cool stuff over there. Hi, Matt. We're saying nice things about you. And we just love Back Row Radio and all of our nerdy friends that we have that do podcasts and other cool things that pull together these things of faith and basically fandom and, hey, that's what you are, faith and fandom. Copyright Um, 2013. See? Hector. And (laughs) we're just super glad to be here, and we're looking forward to the next year. So that's going to do it for episode 26, one full year of the Pull is podcast. Hector and I want to thank each and every one of you for being your primary source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Like, subscribe, five stars. Thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more comics. comics.